Kia ora, I'm Georgia. I'm Catherine. And I'm Molly. And you're listening to... Pimpod! Hello everybody and welcome back to Parent Pod after a two-week break. We hope that you missed us. <laughs> I miss talking to you too. Yeah. <laughs> How are both of you? What's been happening in your life the past two weeks? Uh, good. Actually went to Marley's um, house today, so that was lovely. Aw. Was... Yeah. Yeah, I got to see Georgia yeah, IRL. in flesh, which actually doesn't happen often because like, I feel like we f- we feel like we yeah. talk all the time and like see our faces all the time because we're talking like virtually but um like we, I always just like forget Catch up. to you know do it in real life and it was just so really oh, nice thanks. to have you it was so it. nice um thanks for coming Mila was so cute <laughs> Harry didn't want to leave and she was like it's okay you can just leave him here and you can just go without him oh <laughs> I was like, that sounds great. (laughs) What's your rate? (laughs) Yeah. My youngest child has decided to start sleeping through the night. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. That's worth a massive celebration. Ten and a half months down the track. but Absolutely. We got there. She just kind of, it was just time, I think. She just was ready. And I'm glad we didn't, like, try and force it any earlier. Yeah. Um, it was just the right time. And it's yeah. been really good because she is now eating way more during the day, like has a really good lunch. And yeah, I mean, of course, I, I know you've had the same thing, Marley. Like we've had uh, yeah. Flo's like sleep through the last week. And I think three of those nights, Harry's woken. And Harry oh. never, ever, 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 ever yeah. wakes up. And I'm like, why? Why mm. are you waking now that she's yeah. sleeping? But it is what it is. They must chat about it during the day. And are like, she's looking yeah. a bit too great at the moment. Like the bags aren't big enough. Do you want to yeah. get tonight? Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> I think because with Harry, we just, which I asked you guys about, we just have given him a duvet and a pillow, which he's just oh, like, yeah. loving. But I think there's mm. been a couple of times where he's got a bit tangled or it's like been off him. Oh, yeah. So we've just had to go and put it back yeah. on him and then he's been fine. So cannot complain. No, yeah. that's For once so great. About sleep. Yeah. It's such um, I feel like it's such a milestone <laughs> as well in going like feeling like you have a bit more of yourself back because you know you can have a night out and really enjoy yourself and not have to to worry Mm. about getting up in the night for like a feed or to resettle you know you can actually you know have a proper evening out yeah and to just go to bed and I've had it like two nights now where I haven't got up the entire (gasps) night which pre-kids it would be like yeah of course yeah (laughs) whereas now I'm like wow it's been you know including you know towards the end of your pregnancy we're up for the toilet every five minutes it's been such a long time not having to get out of bed especially with like yours being so close together it is like over two years probably you haven't had that many you know when you have slept don't you realize how dysfunctional I am until I have slept. Yes. And then I'm and like, I oh think, my God, me tired is not mm, okay. <laughs> yeah. And then when you have nights where you sleep really well and then have a shit night, you're like, wow, how did I do this every single night? Yes. 
Yeah. Yeah, Marley, you've been having the same sort of thing, haven't you? Yeah, um, it must be something in the air because we've had, I think it must be like six nights now of sleeping through with Layla. But um, yeah, Mila has been awake every oh. single one of those nights. So like her worst night, it was five oh, times. <laughs> one will always, I feel like one's always great when the other one's not. It's rare they're both terrible because they need you to carry on parenting yeah <laughs> yeah they know don't they yeah they know yeah yeah how are you guys Catherine <laughs> good we we had the Rona finally caught us oh no a couple of weeks ago yeah mm. I was um it's kind of really same as New Zealand it's really peaked here in Perth at the moment so we were ex- kind of expecting it, um, but our friends texted us and said, guys, we've just tested positive, and we'd stayed at theirs all weekend, so it was kind of a given yeah. we were going to get it. Um, were you but, guys okay? How, yeah. how bad were you hit? Um, yeah, it wasn't great. Both the boys got the, the kind of gastro symptoms oh. that kids seem to get with it, so they were um, they were just kind of throwing up. Not for long, only a couple of days. And um, Matt and I both had fevers for about 48 hours. Um, So luckily they all happened at the same time though, which was great because I thought with like the fevers and just feeling really rubbish, I couldn't have looked after the boys if they were their normal full energetic selves. Of course, yeah. So it's kind of good that they were sick too because all four of us just lay on the sofa for two days and like... We, we, I've got photos of us all just like half asleep on the Aww. sofa. Um, it was that, in some ways Aww. quite nice, but we all did feel terrible. Yeah, yeah. so I'm quite pleased we had it when we did because we're going on holiday to Bali this Friday. And I think if I hadn't have had, had it yeah. yet, I would have been getting quite nervous and probably would be isolating now before we went. Yeah, good point. Um, so I think it's quite good we mm. got it when we did. But yeah, that's... That's what we've been up to. Nice. How exciting, yeah. Bali. Yeah. How exciting, coronavirus. Yeah. <laughs> no. Yeah. How exciting, Bali. <laughs> so um, on to our next season of the Parent Pod. Last season we all had COVID. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> um, this season could only be better. <laughs> only be better. Um, and so Marley has a, um, something she wants to share with you all it's not a pregnancy announcement (laughs) (laughs) hell no no um I just wanted to share with everyone that I'm just going to be taking a a little break I'm gonna be stepping back for a bit um just mum life and I'm finding just like everything a bit much at the moment so um yeah you're just gonna have lovely Catherine and Georgia in your ears for a little while and you know I think I'll probably be back I don't exactly know when but once maybe I just feel like it's all you know chilled we'll out miss a little you, bit. Molly, but I think it's really yeah. good that you yeah. have like recognized that things were getting oh, busy totally. and you've made the decision to like yeah step back from this because obviously yeah. you can't step back from being a mum or work yeah. so yeah <laughs> yeah no yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> I wish wait can I can I do yeah. this and step back from being a mum for a little bit <laughs> <laughs> no um yeah I 
just need to, I think, just have a little bit of oh, time. Totally. And I think as just well, like it's, you know, it's good to recognise, obviously, with doing a podcast, it's not just the half an hour, an hour that we chat for. Like there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes. So I think, no. and mm. like you said, that was the stuff that you were finding yeah. a lot. So, yeah. So, you know, who knows? I might be back in like a couple of weeks and feel refreshed or don't know. But well, I'll keep great. everyone updated. Thank you. Yes, it's gr- look after yourself. Yeah. And um, yes, yeah, I will. Obviously, we're still going to chat all the time. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Yeah. We're going to get into this week's episode now, which is, yeah, it was a really great episode. We had one of our lovely listeners, Maria, contact us and say she'd really like to share her story with the listeners as she felt it was something that um, everyone would really love to hear and she wasn't wrong we absolutely loved listening to Maria talk about her experience of moving to New Zealand and um, raising a child here whilst also maintaining her culture from Pakistan it was so fascinating and we learned so much and I'm sure you will as well so let's get into it yeah Our episode this week is with Maria. Maria is 29 years old and is originally from Pakistan. She moved to New Zealand with her family when she was 10 years old and has been living in Auckland since then. She has a beautiful baby girl called Noor and she (laughs) she is 18 months old. Maria is going to speak to us today about raising children in New Zealand with different cultural expectations from family. Thank you so much for joining us today, Maria. Can you start by giving us a bit more of your background? Where did you grow up and when did your family move to New Zealand? Sure, sure. Hi, guys. Um, First of all, thank you for having me. It's it's actually great honour to be here. I mean, I wasn't expecting it, but I was just like, oh, yeah, thank you. I really appreciate it. in terms of my background, um, so I was born in Islamabad, Pakistan, um, the capital of Pakistan, and I've got a sister and a younger brother. Uh, we moved to New Zealand when I was just just about ten years old. Um, it was a it was a difficult decision for my parents, but mostly the the idea behind was that uh, for better education and just a better li- lifestyle, really. Um, initially it was a huge change, obviously different country, different environment, everything was so new, but, um, since the day I've moved here, I've absolutely loved it. I've got nothing to complain. I feel like the people here are the most nicest and generous people. And that's something that I, I've traveled around the world as well. And it, New Zealand has definitely been one of those countries where I just feel like people are so welcoming all the time. So thanks to my parents for making that decision. Um, even (laughs) <laughs> even though it felt so daunting at the time but I, I think it was it was it was the best decision um in terms of my childhood so we moved here to Auckland w- when we first moved we stayed here for a couple of months and we went back and then it was more like back and forth we traveled and we were like okay are we doing this are we doing this and then finalize it um so I spent most of my upbringing sort of my early times like childhood times in Pakistan and then after 10 after 10 years I was here in Auckland for the most part um I went Epsom Girls and then university here as well in Auckland it was a it was a very different 
sort of schooling was different. Everything was just so new. And mm. frankly speaking, it felt very, very intimidating initially. You know, it was just like, oh my God, you know, everything was, was different, you know, from yeah. the language to the culture. It was a huge culture shock initially. And, and, and those are the things that people don't really see. And I think for my parents, it was such a huge change itself that they weren't sure how to support the kids. Yeah. Mm. And then we would go back at the end of the year when it would be Christmas holidays, visit back home. And it a lot of times it would feel like I, we were lost because we were like, oh, okay, so we spent the whole year in New Zealand and now we're going back to visit grandparents and everyone. But it's not the same thing. It's not the same emotions that you feel when you were living there and as opposed mm. to, you know, traveling back and forth. Um, but, yeah, I think that's sort of in a nutshell what my childhood was like so what do you think the biggest um like culture shock was for was for you when you first moved to New Zealand um environment was very much different and and environment food uh just just seeing the you know the 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 environment as in like people society um and language Mm. you know Mm. for me language was was quite different and a lot of times you know, I wasn't fluent right away initially. So obviously for me to feel that I belong here, I had to get my, you know, lang- I had to feel that my language is at that level. And, yeah. and especially in schools, like, because when I started high school, um, the dean made sure that my sister and I were separated, that we were not in the same form class or anything. And I think that was one of the most intimidating things. I was like, oh, my God, I don't even understand this form class system, you know. Yeah. And the games that they were playing, mm. a lot of times I felt that people were laughing at us, at, you know, especially for, with, mm. at me. And I'm like, oh, my God. But honestly, you know, looking back, it just feels like, you know, I've come a long way. <laughs> it, yeah. it feels like yeah. it, it was quite um, tiring, but I learned so much from this culture. And I think uh, that's quite rewarding that now that I have my own child, I can teach her how to be humble, how to be grateful, yeah. you know, mm. always look at, look, look up to your grandparents, look up to your aunts, your mum. I was going to ask about the language. Did you have much English before you moved to New Zealand or was it just a completely like thrown in the deep end and you picked it up as you went? um so I definitely had like for example writing and reading was fine but in terms of speaking Mm. the confidence wasn't there at all um and Mm. I felt that you know it was something that I needed to really pick up on and quite quickly because in a school environment you know if if you if you're wanting to make friends you've got to make sure that you can communicate with them and Mm. um, that comes with practice and confidence so that's what what was really really important for me and and that's what led me to be um, a teacher at school, you know, yeah. I, that experience that I went through. I was like, you know what, I'm going to get up and make sure that these kids that come from overseas or people that move from overseas are not feeling the same or I can support them the same way that I needed support at the time. So, yeah. yeah. And in oh, terms of, um, like, the community that you built when you moved to New Zealand, did your family know anybody here already or did they... Did you build a community of um, other Pakistani families, or it was just one family? Build your village. Yeah, like when we first moved here, it was just one family that we knew, Um, and we've had a permanent residency before we sort of moved, like because we moved in, Mm -hmm. like we stayed a couple of months and we moved back and forth. So we had that, but even then, it was just that one family that we really, really knew well that was. Mm. Quite close to us 
and that we felt connected with, but everybody else just seemed so new, <laughs> even in the community. And and, and honestly, I, I'm not going to lie, I'm, you know, even your own community, people from Pakistan that know that you're from Pakistan, they're going to treat you very differently knowing that you've just arrived. And yeah, that right. has its pros and cons okay. that, you know, people people could be very welcoming or people could be like, no, I don't, I don't, I'd, I'd rather keep my distance with you. But yeah. one family that we really knew well. How did your family support you with the move then? Oh, my, my, with, for my parents, I think um, my parents went through quite a huge sort of shift as well where they didn't know how to support because they were like, I, I remember coming home crying to my mom that I don't like going to school, you know, because I don't feel belong there. I don't like the girls over there. She would just say to me that, look, you know, don't lose hope, you know, you've still got to keep trying, you've got to keep trying, you'll get there, you'll get there. And my English teacher was my best sort of friend that really got me supported and, and you know, emotionally was there to like mm-hmm. kind of bridge in and be like, okay, nope, you can, you can, you'll get through this, you'll get through this. Um, but definitely my parents weren't sure how to help, how to support, to feel mm-hmm. belong, to feel like, yes, you do fit in. I guess if they were like navigating it themselves as well, they wouldn't yeah. really know how to support yeah. you through it. Exactly. Like my mum was, I remember a lot of days, like when we would have Mufti, for example, I would have the biggest debate with my mum. I'm not wearing this. I'm not wearing this. And she's like, oh, no, I think this looks nice. I'm like, no, I don't want to be laughed at these clothes. No, I need to go buy new clothes. And those are the conversations that really gets parents frustrated as well because you're like, okay, my teenage daughter is just not happy with anything that I'm offering and I'm trying to be supportive yet she's mm. constantly complaining you know what I mean so yeah. <laughs> it was mm. quite a and I was like you know what I'm gonna stick with uniform <laughs> but yeah yeah I've come out a lot stronger and <laughs> there were some hardships yeah. with the, that were part of it but I I think it taught me a lot you know yeah and, and, yeah and I imagine it's really challenging for your parents trying to maintain your your heritage and your Pakistani culture whilst also involving you in, you know, the New Zealand culture and this this new life as well. Yeah, 100%. Like my dad, even to this day, he gets really, not, not annoyed, but he's always like, oh, you've lost touch with your language. Like my, my so I speak Urdu, mm. um, my husband's family, they speak Punjabi and English and then a little bit of Arabic as well. So like now my Urdu, I can read it, but it's not, it's not how good it used to be. Like I've actually gone really Mm. bad with it. I can barely write in Urdu, but I can definitely understand and and speak it. But my dad is quite disappointed because between my, with my husband, with my siblings, even with my daughter, I'm always speaking in English and that's my comfort language now. Mm. That's almost like my mother tongue now because I'm so used to of this language. And he's always like, Oh, you've lost, you know, you, you need to, bring back Urdu now that you've got a daughter who's looking up to you yeah yeah so that's obviously one one challenge since having um nor you know with the the language thing what are some of the other challenges that you've found oh yeah raising her in in New Zealand this is really interesting because I've actually wrote quite a few points about it um I think number one thing is the stigma that I am constantly hearing from my people about having a daughter as opposed to a son. And that is such a common theme oh. that, yeah, it is such a common theme. And I think that's what really triggered me to be part of this parenting, parenting part, that the stigma that we that I hear, like when I was pregnant and I found out that I'm having a daughter, um, and those traditional thoughts, and I'm just constantly thinking in my head. Yeah. 
have. Like, you know, no, they're not true, yeah. you know. And I, yeah. I genuinely, yeah. and, and my husband keeps laughing at the back. He's just like, oh, you're so feminist and stuff and blah, blah. And I'm like, it's not been about feminists. It's about the fact that if my, our daughter tomorrow when she grows older and she's hearing somebody in her family say those words, this it's, she's going to process it. She's going to think about it. And ultimately that is going to have influence, like that is going to have an impact on her mentality or her perception you know and and i don't want her to be thinking you know from that from that point of view and we really need to eradicate those thoughts from our family and and that Mm. that's just a quite a common pattern in our cultures that females are always looked down at and and i just and Mm. i and i said to myself and i to be honest i felt that when i found out that oh okay i was having a goal um you know that's exciting and everything but when i heard these comments around I felt a little bit intimidated and I felt a bit worried at the same time mm. that, okay, oh. now I really have to, you know, stand strong and know how to sort of fight for my daughter in a sense that, you know, yeah. in a public mm. setting when these comments are made and tomorrow if my daughter's hearing them, how is she going to feel? Mm. That's yeah. definitely, that's just one aspect of the, of the challenges. The other is breastfeeding, you know, the that hammering constantly hammering that oh you must breastfeed you must breastfeed that's the most important thing as soon as your daughter would get sick or or a child would get sick mother would get blamed that you didn't breastfeed your child in the early stages of delivery therefore he or she is sick and I'm just like no I don't think I agree with that yeah and then the other the the one was that stigma around uh if you have a cesarean as opposed to a natural birth cesarean is an easy way out and I'm like, I had a cesarean. So I'm like, no, mm. that is so not true. But No, definitely, definitely not true. No, at all. no, and I think it's 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 because when I hear the in the community we have like these meetups with like the community members and stuff, and I hear all these aunties talk about it and I'm like thinking, holy no, you know, this is not okay. But but it makes me wonder yeah. that these people what their perception where did they get this from obviously it's coming from either their parents their society or the people that they hang out with and it's it's so important that we we don't we don't tolerate them anymore because ultimately Mm. our kids tomorrow are Mm -hmm. going to think the same if we're not going to change it right now and then do you know what I mean which is why Mm. I get so frustrated but it becomes a bit of a complicated situation when it's a family member and you can't really go up to them and tell them hey look no this is wrong (laughs) it gets a bit what what do you do you know yeah what do you do in those situations what do you just kind of laugh it off I usually um I used to get really annoyed now I'm so used to it I'm just like sitting they're laughing in my head oh my god like let it go yeah it it gets really complicated when it's a a family member like who's quite close to us for instance my mother-in-law oh (laughs) who you know if she asks this sort of questions and I'm like I go to my husband and I'm like uh excuse me why is she asking this question you know where where are these comments coming from (laughs) and then my husband gets in trouble but I think I don't blame my mother-in-law in that sense because her mentality obviously is is a bit more traditional to where we are um so yeah yeah so does your is your husband's family still living in Pakistan we uh, my husband and I we we met here we we met through a family member it was actually an arranged marriage but what happened the way it happened was um somebody somebody from his family knew friend of ours like a very close friend of uh, my mm-hmm. mom and dad so they were like oh you know 
they were looking for somebody for their daughter, for their son. So you've got two daughters, you know, and would you like to consider it? That's usually how it works. And um, I wasn't even ready. Mm -hmm. I was just working full time. I was just like, oh, yeah, whatever. You know, not my (laughs) time right now. But then all of a sudden, my parents were like, oh, what? We met the family. We met the guy. And they're actually quite nice people. And I think you'd be a better fit. And I was just sitting there going, "Uh, excuse me? (laughs) Are you kidding me? No. (laughs) I got I got pushed into the bus so quickly and I was just like no 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 I'm not doing this and then literally my mum and dad would not leave me alone and they had like two months to fully convince me like first thing in the morning 6am my dad would be like so what's your answer now what, do you, what have you considered and I'm just like it's still a no it's still a no and they're like <laughs> but in all honesty I, I was so against it but I am so grateful as well at the same time like now that I I've met my husband and I genuinely think he's the most nicest person. He is, he's the most nicest person. And, and the Aww. chemistry literally clicked in a few days after our first meetup. It was so cute. I couldn't even look him in the eye when I used to meet him. <laughs> and now I'm like, I'm married <laughs> to this guy and we have a child. And it, it literally gets me every time. But Aww. if I, I was never in favor of range marriages, but now, like when I looked on the other side, I was like, okay, it's, it's worth trying it. You know, let's just see. I'm sure like, yeah it's not too bad as it sounds and he's really really nice but I think one point one thing that I definitely always I'm I'm I always tell my husband is that he he definitely doesn't know how to (laughs) where where is the fine line between when it comes to his parents as opposed to his wife and kids you know that that's I think in our culture that overlaps a lot and ultimately what happens is that they're trying to pull his leg and we're trying to pull his leg like no you know you've got to stand with what we're trying to tell you in terms of when it comes to arguments Mm. or sort of disagreements where especially revolving a lot around his parents or their say in a lot of things uh where i'm like no i think you know this probably needs to be changed around a bit and would you consider an arranged marriage for your daughter (laughs) hell no (laughs) no No. (laughs) i i would say that i would I would like her to know, like, as a mother, I would want to know who she or who she is dating or wants to be with, but definitely not. Um, I would not want her to be in an arranged marriage, as long as she's happy. I think that's what matters. And I think um, because I've went through a lot of uh, in-laws baggage, and I think I that's I I definitely have I've I've definitely gone through a lot of that that I can go in a lot more detail all the time but um I think it's definitely taught me not to put my daughter through that it's quite important for my daughter whoever she marries for her for her her to know that guy well enough because that's what I did with my husband that you know before I get married I need to know who you are as a person dated him for at least a couple of like two months a month and a half actually and then you know I was like okay now that I feel comfortable then I'm gonna say yes because I don't want to get going to something that's going to be you know for my life half-heartedly you know what I mean like if I'm if I'm putting my yeah. step into mm. this if yeah. I'm stepping into this then I need to know that I'm giving my 100% into it and and that's what I've been doing you know since then I'm, so we're really keen to unpick with you what um parenting and raising a child looks like in the Pakistani culture and if you've brought any of that into the parenting of your daughter oh I think if for example if I was to say that I was living back home and raising my daughter um it would be it wouldn't so much be that oh it'd be a lot more conservative but it would be more or less that girls are treated very differently back home and I think Mm. being 
like yeah for me personally even if I'm raising her over there I would want her to know what the traditional events are back home but I also want her to know because she was born here I would also want her to know what the traditional events are over here for instance we celebrate Madariki mm. you know there's nothing wrong with that because we mm. this this country has given us so much there's no harm whatsoever the least we could do is at least you know celebrate with 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 the you know with with the with the people here what they celebrate and feel belong feel part of it yeah. you know and and same with back home mm, I want her to like one thing that I've definitely incorporated in her food for instance I make traditional food all the time and I want her to know you can, you can have traditional food oh, nice. but at the same time you can still have sushi you know there's nothing wrong with you know mm. not having both or hangi mm. for instance you know there's nothing wrong with that you you can incorporate two different cultures in your life and it is actually really really mm. important for yeah. her to know that where she's born and what did this this place do to, you know do for her parents her grandparents and for for her as well now and be grateful you know one thing yeah. that I definitely think that I want my daughter to know is to be humble and that's what my parents have taught me always and that that's something that I really value um so yeah but if, if she was living back home I think culturally there would be an aspect of for example dressing could be very different you know the clothes that she wears now mm. not like she's yeah. she's only 18 months but you know over there um but it's it's also not that that she's she needs to be fully fully covered but there is an element that you've mm. got to dress respectfully if you're out in public uh also i think if she was living back home i would have a lot more support there would be a lot more maids or people that can actually support me there that are not my parents or they're not they're not my in-laws who are going to constantly judge me on things <laughs> parenting things that you know that are outside of it that can actually support me in this journey of parenting and and that's quite um mm. assuring you know knowing that someone can do the laundry for you and mm. and that's where i'm like okay i wish i had mm. somebody to help me out with this because i don't want to i take so much burden on me and i know kind of george Marley and myself have talked before about um like is the western way of parenting actually what we should be doing you know should it be just mum and dad doing it all and the postpartum period that you're expected to yeah. you know run the house and and look after your child and then go back to work and have a career and, you know is that really what we should be doing and I know in so many other cultures they have it so it just makes so much more sense the postpartum period and that having like a lying in or having you know parents or in-laws move in so what what did your postpartum period look like for you and what's what's your kind of model of parenting I think for me um so my in-laws were already living with us because we we've got our own mm. property but they mm. were like oh they wanted to live but stay with us and my plan was to after delivery because my daughter was overcooked um she didn't come out to like 40 <laughs> 41 and a half weeks and they had to do a cesarean uh, yeah so she was like uh, yeah so I, I spoke to my husband and I was like look you know I think you know my parents have got a, a nice big property so we can just you know relax at my parents after the first baby and I think it'd be nice to go there but he insisted that his parents want um to have the, that first sort of grandchild in their house and in this house so they want to be around it and I was like okay I, I get it I'll do it for you guys but oh man I wish I I hadn't because as soon as I went mm. I had a cesarean I, I I stayed and they kept me in the hospital for a couple of days and then I went back home and having in-laws around there was constantly 
a lot of demand that oh we didn't get get to spend enough time with the grandchild you know has she been sleeping all day or you didn't bring her downstairs i'm like I'm barely getting to connect with her and you know these expectations revolving wow, around yeah, that yeah. you know and people getting offended that oh you know we didn't get to spend enough time and we didn't get to bond with her and I felt a lot of times when she's not with me my daughter's not with me if she's downstairs with the grandparents I'm thinking no I want her to be close to me I want her to be next to me and that that put worry in my mm. head and what it did is that that actually created a lot of disagreements and arguments between me and my husband because he's like oh it's just my parents they're mm. not doing anything to her mm. and I'm like how do I explain this to you that there's this motherly connection that I want to develop with my daughter right now and I shouldn't have to explain it to anyone I know that grandparents intentions weren't wrong but it was just simply that look you know this is my time my bond bonding time with my child I'm breastfeeding her I'm I'm looking after her and the last thing I want is for her to be like gone yeah yeah, totally. and I think there's a huge, again, with the language, because they speak Punjabi and I'm used to speaking in Urdu with my parents, there's a huge um, barrier in a sense that, like, she would make some jokes, mother-in-law or father-in-law would make some jokes, and I would get offended, like, oh, no, you know, she meant this and that. And my husband's like, take it easy, you know, this is how the, the joke, this is what her intentions were, nothing personal, but... With I think with the postpartum depression, I, I went through that phase of postpartum depression as well for a very long period of time. And I think I've just recently picked myself out of it. You know, it's mm. it's taken oh, its toll wow. because I was just so confused and lost that what is, are these expectations and, and these people's attitudes being constantly changed and shifted because of, you know, certain things I want to do on my own or my way. Um, mm. So yeah. yeah, so much pressure. Yeah, yeah. and then for and, you, and then these expectations that you must eat this, you must do the certain things this way. It's just like if I say no, I don't want to do it, then they would get offended that oh, we've made something for you, but you're not eating it, you know. And I think yeah. another thing that was a bit of a mistake from my end as well that um, when I was told in the hospital that I'm having cesarean, I didn't actually tell my mom, like my my husband and my mother-in-law was there she's like oh don't worry about telling your mum." and I just felt like I had a cesarean and I gave birth and everything you know that happened and my mom was like oh you know I called my mum after and I was like oh you know come to the hospital and stuff and she's like you didn't tell me you were gonna have a cesarean and you know I should have been there earlier and stuff and I think she felt really offended that I didn't mm. involve my mother as opposed to having in-laws and husband being there and I was like oh look yeah. mom sorry but yeah <laughs> I wanted privacy. I yeah. kept telling this, this to my husband, I want privacy. I want privacy and I'm not getting any privacy. You know, I want to be in a place where it's just me and my daughter. I don't want people to be around me. I don't want people to be visiting me. Yeah. But that's the last thing people respect your privacy at, at that time. <laughs> it feels like they're literally walking over mm, you. It's so hard. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah that, that's what it, yeah, it felt like. definitely. Sorry, I like literally got really oh, <laughs> raw. Oh, but that's it for me, like, you know, experience. <laughs> oh, no. We no, love it. Right. Yeah, no. Thank oh, you no, for sharing. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I, I, I think, yeah, it's from somebody who was so into like career driven, I think this was a huge change for me. And I think it went so far as being married and then having first baby. Like, you know, you go, you, you, you go into that sort of mode thinking that it's all going to be nice and great you're going to do baby shopping you're going to buy things for your baby you're going to dress them up but reality really hits you when you've got the baby in your hand and you have to you've got people like 
you know, constantly coming in to look at the baby. And then they make these comments, oh, she's got mm. curly hair. She's got, you know, this and that. And I'm just like, she's got big eyes. She's healthy, this and that. Like, I still remember people very close in our family making comments about that, you know. She shouldn't have cheese or she shouldn't have full cream milk because she's already a big baby. She's already chubby. She's tall. And I'm just thinking in my head, like, and, you know, as a mother, you're like, oh, maybe I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I am. You start doubting yourself. You start questioning yourself. And you're like, yeah. And then when my daughter started teething, she actually lost a bit of weight. And she's, she's got a, like, chubby face and stuff. But... People were like thinking, oh, are you not feeding her enough? Because you're worried that she's a little bit on the, you know, heavy, like overweight sort of side. Mm. I was like, look, I'm happy. She's tall. We've been told by a plunket that her weight's normal. Her height's pretty good. So I'm not worried about that. But then again, those comments yeah. keep on coming and you just feel like it's it's very hard to, you know, not let them get to you at times. But mm. Yeah. 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 I think often as mums you find no matter what you do someone has oh, always got yeah. a comment. Oh yeah. And it's it's not make, even the mums, it's the grandparents. <laughs> In our family it's the grandparents that are constantly yeah. making yeah, these yeah. comments and saying things like, "Oh, you know, are you giving her certain food because you're trying to get her to lose weight?" And I'm like, "No, holy shit, no. No. I just I'm doing this because <laughs> she likes eating this." No. You know. So it's yeah. complicated, and but yeah. but I've I think I've I figured out my ways to kind of not let it get me, but some days it surely does get me. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Understandable. Oh. Yeah, definitely. I was just going to ask if there's one thing that you could hold from um, from your Pakistani culture in your parenting now, yeah. what would it be? Oh, um, one thing uh, to be a giver and like share mm. and oh, be able nice. to connect with people. I think that's definitely one thing that we have in common. Not everybody has it obviously in, in our culture, but people would be like, they're, they're quite like givers and supporters. Like they, they want to help if somebody needs help. Um, and also I think in terms of my culture, I would want my daughter to know at least the basics of the culture events that happens throughout the year. So, yeah. yeah, and also the clothing side of things, like tradition, wearing traditional clothing. I, I love dressing up my daughter. I like I think that's something that I've enjoyed the most throughout my whole pregnancy, buying shitloads of clothes <laughs> for her. But and I and I that I think that's my highlight of my day every day, just you know getting up and um like you know dressing her up in in, in the mo- like nice clothes, match her shoes and stuff. So I definitely want um, traditional clothing and and that sort of things that. I want to hold on to and pass it to my daughter. Yeah. It, it was here at my mom's house um, a couple of months ago. We had um Eid event. So my oh, mom yeah. hosted this massive dinner. Yeah, and my I dressed her up in traditional with, with um it was not exactly matching, but we were both wearing blue. But I, I, I'll send Cute. a photo. I think you guys will like it. So. <laughs> I was just wondering, for, for Eid, are you obviously like exempt from fasting if you're postpartum? or pregnant oh yeah oh yeah if you're pregnant you 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 don't have to fast um also if you're on your period you don't have to fast either so it's only and and also like for example now right now i've got my nails done and stuff i i can't fast or say any prayers and stuff because um the idea behind is that that you have to be you you shouldn't have any sort of because yeah i don't know how to explain this but like any sort of coating on your normal nails and they need to be cleansed mm. 
nail so they need to be washed so that's pretty much having another coating on top of it so the idea is that you must remove all sort of nail polish and stuff and then um shower and then you can pray or fast so but it's it's um it's a little bit complicated like when i was pregnant obviously last year the year before i didn't fast this year i did on and off i had like periods and stuff in the middle so i was like uh no it's my time to take time off (laughs) but fasting is fun Oh, that's so great. Thank you so much for yeah, sharing with you. Yeah, that's been it's, so it's amazing. Okay. I've learned so much. The a question we always ask our guests is what is one baby item um or child related item that you couldn't live without? Oh, uh dummies. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I think. Good one. Yeah. Because my daughter, like when she cries, she's so loud, and we we used to have grandparents mm. in the house, and I always felt so scared. I'm like, ah, oh. you know, in the middle of the night. Initially, like in the first stages, she's she's already off her dummy now. Um, and I think the other yep. thing I would have to say would probably be like, um the underlays that you put on babies especially in uh, in winter i've noticed that they are quite handy especially when my daughter was like throwing up and stuff because she mm-hmm. went through this oh, phase when yeah. the formula didn't set well with her and we had to constantly change her and i was like i'm running out of clothes now and it's super cold and just having some enough like underlays i suppose thank you so much oh, for talking thank you to so us much. Yes. But thank you. Thank you so much. It was so nice meeting you all. Thanks so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed that episode. Um, if you did, you would really appreciate it if you could like or subscribe um, wherever you listen. And you can also find us on Instagram at parentpod.nz. Uh, we hope you have a great week. See you next week. Bye.